Hello and welcome to another episode of Internet Marketing Revealed. My guest today is Keith Everett. He's from the UK. He's been online for almost 20 years. So I'm sure he's got a few stories that he can share with us in the interview today. Now, Keith has been involved in several different areas of internet marketing over the years. He's been involved in eBay. He's also done some blogging. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of reminiscing going on over the course of today's call as well, because those are two areas that I've been involved in myself uh, over the years as well. But even though living in the past sounds like a great idea, we should always look to the future as well. And we can also have a look at what Keith is up to these days. And he's having some success with self-publishing on Amazon. So he's going to talk to us about that as well today. So first of all, welcome to the show, Keith. Thanks, David. It's nice to be here. No problem at all. Now, I've actually been doing a little bit of research on you. You know, right. I, I don't want anyone to think that I'm completely unprepared going into these these podcasts. And I saw on your blog that you're from Enfield for the benefit of our listeners who are outside of the UK. Enfield is based in North London. It's a town in North London. Is, is that right? Yeah, it used to be in Middlesex, and then they moved it to London, a London borough, so North London. We've actually got an Enfield connection. Right. It's a bit tenuous, but stay with me here. Let, let, let's see if you, you, can make, you can make that connection. Now, does the name Gary Abbott mean anything to you? It does ring a bell. It does ring okay. a bell, yeah. Okay. Is it yours? No, <laughs> the complete opposite. <laughs> Gary Abbott was a footballer for Enfield in oh, right. the early the early to mid nineteen nineties. Uh, Enfield at the time they were on non league side. He so he was a part time footballer. I think at the time he may have even been working on a, a fruit and veg store by by day or something like that because he he did get a bit of press around that time because he scored the winning goal in the FA Cup which knocked out my team, Cardiff City, in 1994. <laughs> so, so, so Gary Abbott, he may not be a household name, but his is a name that, that I'll never forget. And I think that was is permanently etched on my mind as well, because it was, I think it was something like the 11th of November where we played in the first round. I think it was the first round of the FA Cup anyway, where we got knocked out away at Enfield. And that was only a few days after I'd actually watched my very first Cardiff City game, uh, which was, I think, the bonfire night in November 1994. And we'd actually beaten Brighton 3-0 in that game. So we went from this, this great result in, I believe it was the third division at the time, or it could be in the second division at the time. I'm not quite sure. All these, these seasons and, and leagues all tend to merge into one. But from going from that, that great high to this crushing low, a few well, days later <laughs> at, at the at the hands of a, a lower league team who who had all the the giant killing press and, and everything else that that went along with it so uh, yeah that's that's my tenuous Enfield link uh, how, how impressed are you with that I think Enfield was in the Vauxhall Conference League if I remember <laughs> they, they might have to... been they, they might not have even been as high as that at the time we used to bump <laughs> over the over the wall when I was a kid I remember it well <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember Gary Abbott, though. 
<laughs> I doubt many other people do apart from me. You know, it's, it's, I've never really got over it. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure that you can uh, tell us a better story about Enfield and and that, and that area at the time. So why don't we start right at the beginning and uh, if you give us a little bit of background about yourself. Yeah, sure. Um, you want me to go right back to, well, when I was a kid, um, 13, I think that was really uh, the first time I ever got the um, the bug for business. Prior to that, um, I'd always been a kid that sold things, you know. Um, I used to sell all my toys, my comics. Um, if it wasn't nailed down in our house, I, you know, I used to sell it. Uh, much to the sort of um, frustration of my mum uh, and dad. And uh, the first business I ever started was a newsletter about London buses. Uh, that was when I was 13. And I'll never forget that because that was my first real business. And um, some guy turned up around my house wanting to see the, uh, the owner. And my dad sort of told me off, you know, really, uh, for, for leaving myself open for, for people to come around the house. Um, but that, that was my first kind of real business, if you like. Yeah. How did he know where you lived then? Did you have your address? Yeah. Like printed across, on the newsletter. Across the top. Sort <laughs> 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 you know, uh, of dumb thing to do, but, you know. So uh, what, what did this newsletter entail then? I know you said it was about the buses, but what? Yeah, I, at, that time, at that time, I had a real love of, of, of buses, you know, not, not anything strange or, or 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 weird but uh, i just used to love buses you know i was only a kid and um that's what i used to write about and so that was the first sort of real effort of writing and attempting to make money and i think it made a little bit of money but not not uh, not anything huge um yeah i mean then, was that the um what was was the money the the, the goal with that for your your 13 year old self or, or were you doing that more for the pleasure of writing or i remember where when i was younger i used to like sports writing and i, I did some work experience at, at some of the local newspapers and that when i was in school at the time and i think my goal for that was that i i wanted people to read my stuff yeah i, I, I knew that they wouldn't kind of know who i was because you never really had your photo in the paper unless you were like one of the one of the top writers there but i i used to like the idea of people maybe recognizing my name in the paper and and reading my stuff and thinking that it was good you know was that the sort of thing that i, th I think i think that is, i think that is some of it and that is sort of how it is today really you know it's great to be published it's great to have stuff out there and for people to recognize the work you do um it is a bit addictive, really, I would say, you know, um, it's nice to get out there and to, for people to read your stuff. But if you can make money from it as well, I mean, that's that's an extra bonus. Definitely. Yeah, that I think that was the, the, the thing for me when I was younger and in school. And I thought that I was going to pursue this sports journalism career because I thought what could be better? I get to watch football. I get to be paid to watch football and I also get to write about it as well so at the time I thought that would be perfect but it, it never really panned out and it 
it, it ended up not being a, a route that I uh, that I pursued after I, I left university. But but at the time, I think the whole writing and being published and and people enjoying the work that you're putting out there that was quite uh, attractive to me uh, at the time. So did you do anything? else while you were you were in school and and maybe not doing your work but trying to make money instead or did that begin and end with the newsletter no i kind of um that would that that would be sort of like the end of it really um you know i was kind of growing up as a teenager and got into the the general things that a lot of teenagers get into um joining street gangs running running you know <laughs> running away from the law um generally getting into trouble and staying out at nights and stuff like that i did an awful lot of that um during my teens uh i kind of sort of uh you know spent a lot of my time um had a lot of friends at the time a lot of good friends and um i sort of put my entrepreneurial uh ways on hold really until I got into my early 20s and um, I got a job with the bookmakers and really, you know, I'm like you, I love sport, especially horse racing. Um, and um, I sort of worked my way up in this bookmakers to become a manager. And then I actually got a partner and we bought a bookmakers in Camberley which is in Surrey. And um, from there, I sort of ran this bookmakers. I had a shop and a credit office and I sold that out for a very large figure to a chain of bookmakers. Hector McDonald's, I don't think they're still around. They sold out to Ladbrokes. And um, that was my first really big score, if you like. And um, since since then, I've had various um, uh, businesses, and up till two thousand and four, I never really sort of had an online business. Yeah, I mean, just just going back to the to the bookmakers thing. I mean, I, I used to do quite a bit of sports betting during my younger years. You know, you, you know how it is. You think you know everything about sport. You think you're invincible, and you think you're going to win, <laughs> win every bet that, uh, that that you put on. Obviously, it never really pans out that way, which is why I don't, uh, I don't really bet that much anymore. Maybe, maybe a pound on the weekend on a, a ridiculous accumulator, which never comes in, or anything like that. But do you have any any stories about the bookmakers back then? Did did anyone come in and have a an outrageous, unlikely win, or or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I, I was, I've always been a bit daring, even back then. And um, we had a, uh, a shop limit. Because, you know, it was, it was, it was only a small bookmakers, and we had a shop limit of 10 grand, right, which is not a lot, compared with nowadays. Um, and we had this guy come in, I remember he had 250 pounds he wanted on this horse called Shonk. And uh, there was no offers a few minutes before the off. So there was no price up a few minutes before the off. And uh, I was sort of hesitating whether to take this bet or not. And I just took it. 
you know yeah. what what year was this for, for 250 pounds this was let me think this would be late 70s so that that's quite a lot of money then at, at the time yeah that was quite a lot of money um anyway this horse this this was a sprint race i think it was a seven furlong race might have been a six furlong and um when it when the, when it actually the off came the price went up as 33 to one so this horse was running with 250 quid on it at 33 to one and we had a shop limit of 10,000. i'll tell you something this horse was nowhere right right up until the final furlong and i think half furlong from home this thing started making ground it got right on the line and it just came up like this with a horse alongside and there was a photo called and they called the number of this horse first in the photo now you know what normally happens when they normally do that they normally have got it right that that was the winner but luckily for us after a few minutes this horse got beat so that was a big relief to me but that was just an example of sort of a kind of a reckless uh you know taking a bet recklessly really i mean i would have paid him i would have paid him out anyway but um that would have kind of ruined us really with one bet yeah yeah i i suppose i suppose these days may, maybe you're able to spread the risk a little more i suppose you've got things like bet fear and exchanges where you can maybe dump some some liability and and that sort of thing but i suppose if you were an, an independent bookmaker in the 70s then it would have been nothing like that at all or obviously you would have just had to have either taken the bet or, or not taken the bet you could lay some of that bet off we did have an account with hawthorns which was corals but this was a last minute thing and it was a very quick decision and um my goal was to make money and you never make money as a bookmaker if you don't take bets so you know it was my decision but so uh, it just went it just went well at the time but um it could have gone horribly wrong <laughs> yeah for sure so after you'd you left uh the bookmaking game you didn't do anything online or anything like like that up until 2004 is that right yeah when i when i left the bookmaking business you know i'd sold out um i really had a lot of money at the time and i spent quite a lot of time living it up and uh, generally thinking i was a playboy really when i wasn't and um this is the thing with money you know sometimes if you if you get a lot of it very quickly it can make you do things that you wouldn't normally do and um being sort of very young um you know i spent it and um had a good time with it um but you know i could have kept it could have bought another bookmakers and could have done the same thing so i i was learning all the time and really you you kind of you learn things through hard knocks um you know no one's there's no one there to just sort of give you all this information as you go along um and to help you you have to find out a lot of it yourself so 
that was um, first real lesson really in business. Made a lot of money and then subsequently spent it. Um, went in and out of various kind of uh, businesses. Um, I had a driving school at one stage. I had an ice cream business, you know, uh, with a couple of ice cream vans. Um, the businesses that I sort of concentrated 100% on and really gave it everything, I did well at. And things that I wasn't so um, hot on and, you know, I didn't concentrate much on, they sort of went by the way. So, you know, you're not going to succeed with everything you do. Um, the chances are you're going to succeed with a small amount of what you do. And that's really how how my career went. You know, I was successful on some things very well and on others, um, they didn't work at all. No. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Though You, you never know until you you give it a go, because as, as you say, there's there's no rule book as, no as such which tells you. Right, this is definitely going to work. This this isn't going to work, so don't try it. You know, you, you never know until you you give things you give things a go. So, uh, yeah. So, what was the what was the turning point then for for you when you first discovered this whole online world, where you saw an opportunity there that that there might be the uh, the chance of making money. I was um, I was at my sister's house in Norfolk. And uh, the local newspaper, the front page of the local newspaper would, you know, to get on the front page, you'd have to be like 12 people fit into a phone box. You know, we caught 12, 12 lads trying to get in a phone box and that would make the front page news on the local sort of this, this local paper. Yeah. Anyways, so I'm skipping through this paper. And there's uh, this guy in there that had made a thousand pounds in a month on eBay. And uh, the local reporter had gone round to actually interview him because back then, um, and this was, you know, early 2000s. I was, yeah, I think it was early 2000s. Back then, to make a thousand pound on eBay was, was quite something in a month. Um, so I sort of saw that and I thought, well, you don't, do you know what? I, I reckon I could do that. And um, I was on holiday in, uh, in the States, in the USA in 2003. And at the time I was in a job and uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to get out of this job and get back into business again. And this eBay thing kept coming into my mind. And um, when I got back to England, I just come from this really hot country, you know, um, in, the, in, the, in the USA was very hot in sort of Florida. And I've gone back to this very cold country of England and um, I just decided to quit my job. It was right on Christmas, the worst time ever really, you could quit your job. And um, I just thought, you know, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it without having any backup at all. So I'm going to do it. So I have to do it. And that's, you know, how I've sort of been with a lot of things in my life. Um, 
I've not given myself an out. I've just sort of said to myself, well, do you know what? I'm just going to do it, whatever happens. So not knowing a great deal about eBay, I got an account and I uh, started looking through, um, you know, what sells on eBay. And just after Christmas, I had a good look and it was diet pills. Diet pills were selling quite well. So I, I thought, think well, I remember. Yeah, I think I remember seeing that because because I used to use eBay myself at around the same time. And yeah, that does ring a bell, the, the whole diet pill thing. Yeah. I mean, people, it was, look, it was perfect because people have got these New Year's resolutions that I want to lose a ton of weight. And then on one side of their brain, it's, well, I don't really fancy going to the gym, you know, to lose it. I don't fancy sort of running around the block. I'll get some diet pills. So anyway, um, I didn't have a lot of cash, but I did have a collection of personal development books, a huge collection of them. So what I did was I sold them on eBay. Great big box of these books. I mean, they were worth quite a lot of money. And I remember some guy bought them, 250 quid, 250 pounds that is for anybody outside of England. So um, ships these books off and decided to buy a lot of diet pills. So uh, I found this website of this company in America who was selling these pills wholesale. And I bought 250 pounds worth of pills. And I think it was about a week later, two huge crates of these diet pills turned up with UPS. And um, I started listing them on eBay and um, they went quite well. And I was doing these sort of like buy, um, I think it was buy five, get one free at the time, because there wasn't people really doing buy two, get one free buy five get one free and i was selling a lot of them people were buying five bottles at a time and i was waking up in the morning and there was all these paypal notifications and um i did really well and that business um kept me in a very very good income right up until 2008 i think it was 2008 yeah so yeah so you would have had about four years four years then doing that i mean i i wasn't selling on ebay i don't think at 2008 i think i i might have finished by then because I, I used to sell um websites oh yeah on, on ebay that that was quite good uh at, at the time as well there, there was some some good income to be made doing that i mean what was the what what stopped you from selling the the diet pills on, on ebay then after after four years and so you were making some some good income from that. How, how did that all come to an end? Well, I wasn't just selling diet pills. I was selling associated products as well. So basically anything to do with health, um, I was selling it. But what I wasn't doing was what you should do, which was create a list. So you've got a list of customers because I hadn't quite got to the, you know, the Internet marketing stage at that at that time I was just purely a seller and um, I was just selling stuff. 
when we got to 2008, there was a, a big kind of recession came along. And um, the diet pill market was starting to slow down. There was lots of people on there selling diet pills and there was people doing buy two, get one free and buy one, get one free. And the sort of the bottom dropped out of the diet pill market, if you like. So in 2008, my very good income kind of dived down to next to nothing. So it was then uh, that I decided to go back and get a job. And um, when it comes to sort of working for other people, I mean, I, I really don't like doing it at all. But when you have to, um, or when you should do, or when you've got a mortgage, then, you know, that's the time that you've got to sort of bite your tongue and go back and do it. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean there. I, I was in that same position in 2014 when I'd, I'd worked for myself completely online for eight years, but that all came to an end in, in 2014. So I had to go back to a job. And yeah, that was a, a real culture shock. And I think it helped that I was a bit older at the time. I was in my, my mid-30s at the time. I think if I was younger, I would have been a bit more hot-headed and answered back a lot more. But I think with age comes experience and you know when to to keep your mouth shut and just to let things just to let things go just so that uh, you're not getting pulled up and kicked out in your probation period. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean there. I mean, with eBay, I remember, I'm not sure what year it was, but they changed the way that they listed the products. It, it kind of switched from being a straightforward auction website where all the listings were like listed in order with the one that was going to end the soonest would be right at the top of the page to give it the maximum exposure and traffic. And they changed that then to this best match thing where you could have listings which were ending at all sorts of different times listed at the top of the page. And I thought that was a, a killer blow really for, for me who was selling websites at the time based on a, an auction model where you needed that urgency and that fear of missing out uh, as the auction was coming to an end. When you were selling those diet pills on eBay, were you listing them as uh, auctions as well then? So you you were, you wanted that sort of feeding frenzy as, as the time was running out? No, um, I didn't do auctions. I was doing buy it now. They're all on the buy it now button and um, there was a set price. And with diet pills, there was a there was very large margins. You know, um, you could make. I mean, I used to sort of. It was a minimum of a hundred percent profit on on the bottle of diet pills, and you know it was very profitable when people were buying five bottles at a time. Um, but you you are right about eBay. I mean they they started off as a, as basically an auction site and i think it was a lot more fun in those days and then they sort of changed it it got very much more commercial and it 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 was aimed more at larger companies you know the small guy sort of got dropped a bit from it um fees went up i mean you got you got quite a lot of fees to pay you got their fees plus you got the paypal fees so um for the smaller guy, 
you know, it may be not as profitable as it was. Yeah, I, I remember in, it must have been about the same time that, that you were doing it, but you could get a, a featured homepage listing for about £50, which was, I thought was just ridiculous at the time, considering how big a website eBay was and the amount of traffic that must have been coming to that site day to day, even back in 2004. And I think back then that I didn't even have a broadband connection. I was still on dial-up in 2004. <laughs> it, it wasn't until 2000, sometime in 2004 that, that I, I'd upgraded to a broadband connection. But back then, you'd pay that £50 and your auction listing would literally get flooded with traffic. And because it was listed as an auction, you'd get the exposure then or more exposure as the auction was coming to an end. So it was absolutely perfect for a small seller back then until they then decided that they wanted to become more of a, I suppose, more of a, a retail outlet and attracting larger brands and and for them to, to sell there. But uh, yeah, I totally agree with you. At, at the time, it was, it was great. Uh, it was a lot of fun. There was money to be made there. Unfortunately, like most things online they, they never last and, and everything comes to an end at some point but after you'd you kind of stopped doing ebay you mentioned to me before that you also started blogging as well were you blogging at the same time that you were on ebay or did that come after that no that that sort of came in 2010 um i sort of got back online again because, you know, I was missing being online, um, missing being in business and sort of fed up to the teeth with working for someone else. And um, any sort of employment that I've ever had has always been um, the prequel to going back into business again. In other words, whenever I've gone to work for someone else, I've never stopped thinking about working for myself, you know, because yeah. that's how I... That's how I view myself. I don't view myself as, as being someone that wants to work for other people. I've always wanted to be my own person and work for myself regardless. Um, so I got back into um, the online space in 2010, um, joined Facebook, you know, started getting a, making friends on Facebook and getting a bit of a following on there. I created a blog. My first blog was called Keith's Money Making Tips, uh, which was very original. <laughs> and, um, you know, I started um, to blog about things that I was learning about at the time, which was internet marketing and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then I sort of uh, became an affiliate for certain products and when I was blogging about uh, things, tips, I was linking them up to affiliate products and making a sort of a part-time income. And um, I did that for quite a while. Uh, basically learned how to make around about 50 to $100 a month from that space. And then I started to have more success with it, uh, learned how to make 500 to to $1,000 a month from that space. 
And from there, I kind of thought, well, there's a lot of people out there that would like to learn how to make 500 to a thousand dollars a month from this space. So I sort of set myself up as a coach, teaching other people how to do that. And um, I did it mainly for people on Facebook. And I remember charging, I think it was $49 for an hour. Um, I was on the Warrior Forum one day and I was talking to a guy on there who's who'd done very well in internet marketing. And I was talking about things and he said, well, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm just teaching people how to make this money. And he said, well, what do you charge? And I said, uh, $49 an hour. And he said, well, that's a bit cheap, really. You should put your prices up. So uh, I created a proper website, a coaching site, and I stuck my prices up to $97 an hour. Notice there's always a seven on the end. Yeah, always a seven. Always a seven. And um, I, I got a lot of work. You know, I put... I put the price up, but it's the same old story. You know, if you view yourself as being more, you, you know, people view you as being more. So that worked really well. And um, so I did, I did a fair bit of coaching, uh, earning, earning a good income from that. Um, and was that advertise, was that coaching also advertised on, on your blog? as well did, did you have a page set up on yeah on the blog yeah. yeah were you getting much traffic from search engine optimize you know the search engine optimization at the time or was that that traffic all coming from say so like social media facebook and and the warrior forum i've always had more traffic from social media than i've ever got from seo um you know seo has never been a strong point for me ever um, I've always managed to get traffic purely from social media and whether that's through creating videos, um, you know, if, if you're running a, a blog and you want to start giving out tips to people, so what you do is you learn something and then you create a tip and then you link it up to a product and then you link it up to a video and you, you you basically put the same tip out on video on youtube and you you send that back to the blog via a link um you know you can create a lot of traffic that way especially if you're talking about it on social media all the time not selling it but talking about it uh, so that's what i did you know for years and years and years really i, I mean i had intentions of being somebody like a John Cho or a shoe money, you know, one of those big guys or a Pat Flynn, one of those big guys where everybody would find their blog and the blog would have loads of comments and you'd be selling all these products from the blog. And, but I could never keep up with the amount of content that you need to put out there consistently and to have that content found in the search engines. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was always quite good at search engine optimization in other niches for example like the online gambling industry I, I did okay with that for a time but never really so much for for internet marketing even say 10 years ago where you would think that internet marketing wasn't such a a saturated industry or the make money online industry wasn't so saturated 
uh, it was still quite difficult i thought to to rank to rank a blog and and then when you're not getting the results you just sort of leave it you don't you don't post so often and things get neglected but uh, yeah that was that was my experience with um with blogging uh, overall uh, i mean do you still keep up with your blog now yeah definitely um especially now that i'm sort of in the publishing business um it's very important to have a blog i think um because you're publishing you know you're you're kind of you're blogging about relative subjects and you're linking those subjects to your books on amazon um which is which is basically what i do um and i you know i, I just like to create content and if you can create content that people like um they come back for more and whilst they're on your blog you know people will click on your ads and uh, hopefully they'll buy your stuff um i they definitely come onto my blog and link to amazon and buy books so yeah, yeah. It's, it's a worthwhile thing yeah because that that's more of the direction that i'm going now with with the blog i hadn't had a blog for several years but i think it was last july i thought i want to set one up again because i want to use it as more of a again kind of a central hub but also an archive for some of the longer posts that i've been publishing on facebook so if i was going to put the content on facebook then i thought well i may as well put it on my own website as well my own blog as well just so i've got that archive there and then if I'm driving traffic from different social media platforms, then at least they can all come to this one place where I've got everything, everything there for them. And I think that takes a lot of pressure off the whole blogging aspect as well, because I don't feel that now that I have to publish every day or even more than maybe once or twice a week, because I'm not relying on the, the blog to be the, the main, you know, traffic driver as as such and uh, it's also going to be somewhere where i'm going to put all of these these podcasts on and it's just going to be th this this central area where people can find more about me they can find the content and i i think that's um you know a, a lot less of a pressure situation compared to back in the day where you felt you had to keep posting new content on your blog so that it would get ranked in Google and more people would find you. And that would be the thing that would sort of grow your, your business, grow your brand and your business. Yeah. yeah where, where things aren't, aren't as difficult as that these days. I don't think with the, the introduction of all of these various like viral social media platforms. Yeah, definitely. I think that, um, I wouldn't say blogging is a thing of the past because I don't think it is, but um, it doesn't really, it shouldn't really be the center of your business. Um, it's certainly not the center of mine, but it is a, it is an asset. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's more of a, like a, a, a content depository. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> you like. And I mean, I, I actually link my blog from the back of some of my books you know, so they've got somewhere else to go if they want to have more contact with you. And I've had several people, you know, contact me through the blog um, using the contact form. So it's nice to have that out there as your home on the Internet. Um, 
social media it's a little bit different you know because obviously it's 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 you can get shut down on social media yeah yeah that was that was one of my one of my fears as well and that was one of the the things behind setting up the blog was even though i i'm also backing up the posts that i do on on my computer as well but i wanted that other online archive as well i suppose it's another way of repurposing the content uh as well but i, I like what you said there linking your blog from your books as well it's like everything sort of feeds into each other then you've got all your different social media platforms or youtube and pointing back to your blog or pointing to your books and then your books points back to your blog and it all just it all just comes together which yeah which 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 i i, I like a lot and that that's uh, what i want to get set up yeah I think, I think it's i think it's a good way of running an online business because not everybody um you know everybody sort of uh looks at things differently some people are very visual some people are all auditorial whatever it is <laughs> um, you know so i think that um people sort of get to know you more by having a blog they find out more about you and they can see what you're about and then they can decide if they want to take it further so having a blog having a blog is a good idea you know as long as you're as long as you're putting content on there fairly regularly um and as i say you know it links up well to my book business because although although my book business is on amazon you've still got to send people to amazon you know um as well um you can't just leave a book on amazon and, and just hope for the best you've, you've still got a market book yeah of course yeah so when did you start publishing on amazon i started during the pandemic which was uh 2020 last year um and it was a very sort of uh you know i'd had a i'd had a bit of a mishap during the pandemic which i was talking to you about earlier where uh you know i lost a lot of money online um on the markets in the markets and um i'd got kind of lazy you know for a, for, a, for a couple of years i got very lazy and um i never created anything i didn't do much um i didn't even have a blog during that time and then uh, i sort of th looked at where i was going and i thought you know uh, i need to do something and i also need to do something which i really like doing and that was writing so uh, i took a course on on publishing and uh, I spent quite a long time going through this course learning everything and um, I published my first book last year which was a book called Money Mind Crush and uh, I've subsequently uh, created a book called Millionaire Mind Crush and these were books based on my experiences down the years um of all the of all the businesses i've been in the the losses the wins the whole shaboodle really and including the massive losses that uh, i had on the markets during the pandemic yeah so it's a bit biographical then rather than being like a a, a non-fiction book as, as such or like a, a self-help book well 
they're both sort of non-fiction books and they're both self-help but the first one sort of is, has got a good storyline to it because it's all true obviously and it explains you know how I sort of created these businesses um my my thinking at the time how I had to get my thinking and then the second book I did which was Millionaire Mind Crush that was based on things businesses that I've created and it's to show people how to uh, increase their business from, an, you know, just a standard type of business to a very serious business and how to make a lot of money online. Um, so those, you know, that's what that's what I did. And I created my first book, put it on Amazon. I put it on as an ebook first of all. Uh, then I put it on as a paperback. Then I um, sent it over to ACX, which is a company that Audible own, and it was created as a as an Audible. Uh, so that's sold on Audible, and you know, then I created it as a hardback. And after writing a couple of books, I thought, well, how can I grow this business? And the way I did that was by getting a writer in to to ghostwrite for me so um and that's you know i've got six books out there today that's great how long is it taking you then to to write those six books is that i suppose that's within what about 18 18 months or so is that right no the first book took me ages it really took me a long time it took me over a year but the other five books have all been created in the last uh four or five months well, that's quick. <laughs> that's, that's that's very prolific as, as well uh, to get that amount done in in the last few months. Absolutely. I mean, what advice would you give give to somebody who maybe wanted to get into the whole self publishing thing? Because surely, if you're you're publishing a book, that must do wonders for your own credibility and an authority in whatever industry that you're trying to position yourself in. If you, you know, they say that everybody's got a book in them, and that's true. But if you want to, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're selling books, you want to make sure that you're selling a book that people actually want to buy. You know, it, it's no good writing a book about your cat or your, or your dog, because maybe you love your cat and you want to write a book about it, but it doesn't mean it's going to sell anything. So what I do is I, you know, I use a specific method to find uh, niches that are kind of underused on Amazon. And I will create uh, books around that. So that I, I know before I even publish the book that I've got a reasonable chance of selling it. Um, and I was talking to you prior to this about the Pareto principle and that the fact that, you know, 20% of what you do is going to get you 80% of your results. And it's the same with books. You know, don't just publish one book because you might not make any money. Um, set out a plan to publish several books, which is what I've done. And when I first wrote a book, you know, it's not like writing a load of blog posts. It's a, it's a structured thing all in one place. And it, you know, it takes a certain mindset to do it. And you gotta, you gotta learn how to do that. Um, 
once I, I took a year to do one book, you know, I sort of looked at it and I thought, well, how can I write books more quickly? And, um, you know, I kind of learned how to do that. Um, and I can personally write a book myself now in around about six weeks, and that's a 30,000 word book. So while I'm writing books, I'm doing research on other books, on other ideas, and I've got a ghostwriter who will start writing those books for me. So um, my goal was to, you know, write about 10 books this year. And next year, my goal is to write uh, 12 books. Um, but every book has a process and it's not just writing a book. It's, you know, you're turning it into several different products. You're turning it into an e-book, a paperback book, a hardback book. You're turning it into an audio book. And then you are putting your book on different platforms. You know, I start off on Amazon. And then I put it onto a platform called Ingram Spark, who distribute that book to bookshops. So it goes into into bookshops. Um, so that's basically the the book business. Yeah. So again, it, it it sounds like there's a lot of repurposing of the content going on on again, which seems to be quite a hot thing at the, the moment in internet marketing. You know, you create a piece of content once, and then you're pushing it out to all of these different. Uh, platforms you know taking bits of it here bits of it there definitely and re, uh, repurposing it and it sounds similar to to what you're doing there with the books which you might not have thought was possible initially because you, you think of a book is is a book whether it's in digital or, or whether it's uh, in, in physical format so yeah that sounds pretty good actually that you're gonna you're gonna shoot for 12 books uh, next year um, would you say that that's the most thing or would you say that's the thing that you're most proud of out of all of the the years that you've been online so far you know getting into into book publishing and being seen as a you know a, a recognized author well i didn't go into it to be to be recognized as an author i didn't do it do it for that purpose um i got into it because i really enjoy writing and I like the idea of creating something that's going to stay out there on the internet for a long time, perhaps after I'm gone. And um, whereas I used to really enjoy creating tips for a blog and giving them to people, um, I now enjoy writing books that help people. Um, that's why I like the self-help uh, genre because you know you can create a book which can mean an awful lot to someone um so that's really why i do it i mean yes i do it for the money as well i'm not going to lie to you <laughs> you know i'm not doing it for free um and can it can be expensive to get books out onto the market if you're hiring writers and you know if you're doing a, an audible product then you've got to hire a nar narrator unless you do it yourself um so it can be expensive to launch a book but then again it can be totally free to launch a book if you just do it all yourself you know if you create your book cover yourself create the book yourself um do your own narration for audible you can get a book out there on amazon and audible for for virtually nothing 
Yeah. So do you think this is going to be the direction that you're going to be taking now for the foreseeable future? Now, I know you've talked about the next 12 months, but maybe for the next two years, five years, even beyond that. Yeah, I think so. Because when you're creating books and you're putting books out there, um, you're getting paid every month by Amazon or Audible. Um, and even if you stop producing books, you know, you're still going to get paid. That will still keep going. Uh, those royalties will still keep coming in. Um, you know, I decided to do this business, A, because I like the idea of doing it, but B, because, you know, there are people in this business that do extremely well at it. And one of the things that I really love doing in my life is traveling. And I like to create um, a business really where you can just leave it, let it run itself uh, whilst you're traveling. And this is one of those businesses that you can do. Yeah, excellent. That that sounds really good. I mean, it's, it's not uh, something that you see a lot of people uh, going into, um, going into, uh, self-publishing and probably because there's there's a fair amount of work involved and people are always looking for that that quick fix but i, I think if you if you persist with that then i'm sure you're going to do really well with that as, as time goes on as you say it sounds like something that's going to compound over time you, you're getting that that residual that passive income that so many marketers online talk about but maybe never actually uh, achieve where would be the the best place for people to find you on the internet um people can find my books on amazon if they just type in keith everett um i also have um two books under a ghostwriter uh, under rebecca collins um but they can find me on my blog which is basically https um www.keitheverett.co.uk. Okay, great. Well, I'll put a link to that in the notes and um, possibly a link to your, have you got an Amazon store? Are they still a thing these days? I've got an Amazon author page. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I'll, I can link out to that for you as well. That would be fantastic. No problem at all. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Keith. It's been a fascinating trip over the past 20 years online as well. I've enjoyed it a lot. As, as you know, I, I was around online at the same time. So it's always nice to, to reminisce and talk about how things have changed and, and plans for the future and all that, all that kind of good stuff as well. So again, thank you very much for joining me on the episode today. Thanks, David. Uh, yeah, no problem at all. And uh, I'll speak to you soon. Okay, thanks a lot. Bye for now. Please visit internetmarketingreveal.com and davidwalker.net for more free content. If you need a domain name for your business, visit domainsreveal.com where you'll find more than 1,000 premium domains. And finally, please rate and review this podcast. Thank you again for listening and I'll see you on the next episode.